number 11 of the Runners of Hue podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Yodi. Today's guest is Patrick Presgrove. Born with a rare genetic disorder, Patrick was in a wheelchair full-time by the time he was 12 years old. So in 2004, he elected to have amputations above the knee on both legs and has been a bilateral amputee ever since. A while later, he was encouraged by both his prosthetic clinician and a fellow patient, Mark Barr, to begin using a pair of running blades that he had been granted the year prior from the Challenged Athletes Foundation. Through Mark and his new running blades, Patrick was introduced to his community in Team Catapult. We talked through how he got involved in triathlons and then later marathons, and what the best way, in his opinion, is to punch your ticket to the Boston Marathon. Patrick is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the Houston running community and beyond, and I am forever grateful to him for coming back to re-record part of this episode after my equipment had some sort of epic malfunction and I lost the last chunk of his recording. Follow Patrick, Team Catapult, and everybody else that I'll tag in the show notes and the Instagram post for this episode, and I really hope you all enjoy. Patrick, thank you so much for being here with me today. Hey, Mickey. Why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and where in the Houston area you live? I am Patrick Westworld. I'm an accountant. I am COO of the Houston nonprofit Team Catapult. I'm a runner, a triathlete, um, I have some other side hustles going on, and I live in Third Ward right next to the University of Houston. That's a lot of things. Um, where did you grow up? I was born here in Houston. I grew up on the northwest side. My parents got divorced in 1998, so I moved to Brenham, and I really grew up in Brenham. I went to part of elementary, junior high, high school, junior college, all in Brenham, and then I was commuting back and forth, back and forth to the University of Houston and finally moved to Houston in 2011, I believe. Okay. We skipped over quite a bit. You had a very, um, you had a lot going on as a child. So can you walk us through what that was like? I am. I was born with a very rare birth defect called popliteal pterygium syndrome. It affected my legs. I was born with a cleft lip and a cleft palate, which is why I have a speech impediment. And from the time I was born until I was 14, I had a little more than 30 operations to learn how to walk to help me walk better, to correct my lip and palate. Um, couldn't walk until I was six. And even then, uh, the way my legs were formed, I developed severe arthritis in both of my knees. So by the time I was 13, uh, 12, I was in a wheelchair full-time, at home, meaning at home and at school. So I had elective amputations on both legs above the knee in 2014. So I've been a bilateral above the amputee since I was 14. So when did you get into running and what did that look like? 
my clinician here in Houston, the guy that made my prosthetics, he was very knowledgeable, especially for younger patients on the opportunities they have as far as becoming active and running or things that I never even knew I could do. I didn't know sports were an option. They were never an option before I was an MPT because of my disability. And I just assumed it was never going to happen. I didn't know it was a thing. Uh, by the time I became an MPT, we, he had another patient who's a guy here in Houston named Mark Barr. He was a multi-time Paralympian. He was a big time runner at that point, Mark was, and my clinician said, hey, I know this guy, Mark. There's also a nonprofit called the Challenge Athlete Foundation out of California. You should apply for a pair of running legs and see what happens. So I applied back in, this would have been 2014. I don't remember if I said 2013 or 14. I had my amputation in 2004. In 2014, I applied for a pair of running legs from CAF. They granted them to me, which was more than most people could ever think about obtaining one running leg. They granted me two. Uh, I ended up putting them in my closet for going on a year because I was really just scared to try anything new and I was more scared to fail and let myself down. At some point, my friend Mark said, get off your ass and start using these things. So I started running on my own at the University of Houston indoor track. I would go after I got home from school, did some homework. I go back to the UH track and run the indoor track, which was barely less than a quarter mile. It wasn't even a full quarter mile track. And I could never make it more than maybe 50 meters, 100 meters without stopping. So I'd go up there and it would take me an hour to run a mile because I was honestly just learning how to run. Um, I was doing it all on my own. Eventually Mark said, hey, there's a nonprofit here in Houston that just formed. This is uh, Team Catapult. They were formed in 2015 with a very similar mission of CAF. But because they're in Houston, they offer in-person run workouts here at Memorial Park. And he said, we meet every week at Memorial Park. Come out, I'll run with you, but you should start branching out. See how far you can go. And I got out to Memorial Park. We went to the track at Memorial. He would run with me a little bit. Mark is a unilateral, a single above the amputee. So he couldn't tell me everything I needed to know to get better at running because we had different amputation types. But he's been doing it much longer than I had. So he really helped me get going and I found a community here in Houston that in Team Catapult that I've never had growing up. Growing up, I was the only disabled person I knew. And now you come to Houston and you would think there's a million people here that are disabled. Well, maybe they are. Well, we don't know about each other, so that's where a nonprofit comes in. So I found a very small community in Team Catapult that really helped me get up and going. And we worked up from 100 meters to the full lap, to a half mile to a mile. And one of the best memories I'll ever have is 
running the full loop of Memorial Park without stopping for the first time with Mark. And I couldn't cry and I was so happy. It was one of the best feelings I've ever had. Um, fast forward to now, I've done a whole bunch of stuff and I'm trying to give back as much as I can. Um, I'm heavily involved with Team Catapult, extremely involved in the run community here in Houston, somewhat involved in the tri community when we have events. Um, unfortunately, around COVID, there's not much going on at all unless it's virtual, or you have your small bubble of people that you train with, that you're comfortable with. So, um, just trying to stay active now. Well, you are very active. I think you probably run more than I do. Um, but so we've, we're talking about Team Catapult. So you mentioned you're now the COO with Catapult. What what does that entail? What do you do for them specifically? I found them in 2016, got involved. I wanted to start helping out more because it just became something that meant everything to me outside of my family. It was It was what really helped shape who, who I am now. So in 2018, I started saying, hey, how can I get involved instead of just showing up and benefiting from Catapult? And I said, well, here's a couple of things you can help out with. Here's this, here's that. In 2019, uh, I mentioned I'm an accountant. I took over as the director of finance, meaning I helped prepare the monthly books for Catapult, and I have never since. And I'm the director of finance because there's about five people that run Catapult and we're all volunteers. It's not like I have 10 people that answer to me. I help with the financials, I answer to our CFO. And then I really took on like, I took on a lot of the marketing, the social media, some of the more fun stuff outside of the numbers. And in 2020, I have been helping so much at that point to the point where I was putting together and overseeing full events. So marathon weekend, I would oversee everything for the 5K and the half and the full marathon, 14 catapult, which in 2020, we had our largest group ever. And we had uh, participants in every single AWD category, which was amazing. So as of 2020, Nexus made me COO, which means I'm now in a very small group chat with the guys that run Catapult and I get to yell at them every day telling them to keep on track. Okay. Well, and so besides athletes with disabilities that are part of Catapult, um, there are also regularly able athletes that are part of Catapult. So if like I wanted to join and help out with Team Catapult, what do you need from other people? How can they help out with Team Catapult? Number one would be awareness. Just if you're aware of Catapult, then help others become aware of it. And the only way we can help is if people are aware of us. Um, when we are having in-person events, we are having a twice a week workout at Memorial Park. So if you wanted to become involved hands-on, you could come out to the park, become a guide for a blind athlete, become a pacer or a support runner for like an amputee athlete. If we have people racing in a hand cycle, we need bike guides that just make sure the path is clear for them. There's plenty of ways to get involved in person when we're having this. Right now, we're not. As soon as that comes back, we will make all the announcements. 
So come out and get involved, reach out to me directly, reach out to us, teamcatapult.org, hello at teamcatapult.org is our email that I monitor. Reach out and the most efficient way to help out is just make a donation as you're able, which is how we fund our annual grant program, which is exactly how I received a pair of running blades from CAF. We have a similar program where athletes apply if you need adaptive equipment or you have competitions coming up or you just need equipment to help train or you want to hire a coach. If you're an athlete with a disability, we will help fund all of that for you. And we don't ask for anything in return other than you just help continue to spread the awareness of the fact that we're here and what we're doing. So to make that happen, we need money, we need funds. So any donations anyone can make at any time is always welcome. Perfect. And so if I wanted to like, besides donating, if I wanted to be a guide, what does, what does that entail guiding you versus guiding a blind athlete? So come a guide, we would say, go to our website. There's a guide form that we need to fill out. There's five questions and you're in our system forever. Um, guiding a blind athlete entails running with them with a tether. It's, uh, there are some regulations around it. It's usually not more than a foot, foot long tether. Um, and you are basically their eyes. So imagine running a marathon with your eyes closed. Well, that athlete doesn't have an option. They, they can't see. So you are their eyes. So you are clearing the path in front of them all at the same time, letting them know any change in terrain, any little bump or crack coming up, incline, decline, any, anything that you would probably need to know to run, they don't know it unless you tell them. So that's what you're there for. Or you can become a support gunner, uh, runner or pacer for a, well, like an amputee runner like myself, where you just run next to me or in front or behind me, help clear the path, make sure no one's cutting me off, make sure I'm not going to run anyone down. Um, there's a little bit of like, hey, there's a crack coming up. If I'm in the zone, I'm not looking in the right place. And my support runner sees it coming. You can say, hey, there's a crack right there. Don't, don't trip. Um, that's really it. Um, and no. then you get to party with us after. We all party <laughs> the same way. We might race different, but we all party the same way. I remember hearing a story. Um, oh, no. You, no, it's not about you. From when Sam paced Mark. And he had to stop. I guess it was different with Mark. Um, it was basically like, here, hold my leg, because Mark had to fix something. Um, is that ever something that occurred? That's probably not something that happens with you. Do you ever have to fix your prosthetics during a race? I have before. So Mark and I are both above the amputees. His amputation is slightly different, but we all, all amputees have generally the same issues. Okay. Um, the issue that Mark had was he was accumulating sweat in his prosthetic. So if you get enough of that, your leg will fall off. So Mark, at that time, his system was not what he has now. Okay. So he had to empty out the sweat so his leg wouldn't fall off while he's running. So he took his leg off, handed it to Sam, said, hey, hold my leg for a second. Empty out the sweat, put his leg back on, and 
they took back off. But I have other stories of other uh, athletes that were doing a triathlon. They took their leg off to swim. They did the swim portion, and it was a point-to-point swim. So the fastest way, unfortunately, to get their leg that they left in the start line to the transition on the other side of the lake, the person that was helping this athlete was a very good swimmer. So they ended up just swimming their leg across the lake. I mean, it was a sprint, so it's a very short swim. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it was shallow enough they could walk part of it. But, yeah, if that sounds funny, you come on out, and we'll find some prosthetics for you to swim. <laughs> That's a lot, and thank God that person was a good swimmer. Yeah. Um, well, moving back into your running, and well, but you started, didn't necessarily start with a try, but yeah. um, a try was one of your first big races. So, well, yeah, you're right. So, well, number one, how did you decide you started running? You got running legs and you started running. What made you want to do tries as well? This is what I am asked this question all the time, and this is always my answer. If you hang out with triathletes for five minutes, in the first five seconds, they'll tell you I'm a triathlete. You should try triathlon. And then they won't shut the fuck up with that. So, it didn't take long for a lot of the people in Team Catapult, the guides and volunteers are, are all triathletes, almost. All of them are long-distance runners. A lot of them are Ironmen and women. So it didn't take long for me to start running. And they said, you know what's the next step? Run, biking, and swimming. So that's how I got into it. Oh, because, well, so Team Catapult, is it part of Jockstrap Catapult? Is that the name of the... The founders... The co-founders of Team Catapult created a triathlon club when they were in college okay. called Jockstrap Catapult. Um, and eventually they created a nonprofit arm of that racing team, and they just called it Team Catapult. Okay. Well, so you started the 2017 Sylvan Beach Triathlon was your first major try. Uh, yeah. Triathlon, yeah. How, how was that like? Awful. <laughs> what happened? Everything. Everything that could have happened, happened. Um, I had never learned how to swim as an amputee, much less a, a, someone that doesn't have legs below the knees. Um, about a week before the triathlon, I got in a pool for the first time. Didn't know how to breathe and, and swim. Learned all that in about an hour. Got to the Southern Beach, and it's an open water swim in the Gulf. So it's sea waves coming at you. It was choppy water. Uh, I believe it was, what was it? It may have been a 600 meter swim. I made it about halfway and they had to pull me out because I was staring out of my mind. I couldn't see over the waves coming at me. Um, if I had gone five more seconds, I would have had to turn around and I could have ruined all the waves back in, but I didn't make it that far. They pulled me out and they said, hey, you're here. If you want to finish, go finish. So I finished. And it was super hot. So I was on a hand cycle that wasn't really made for racing. Had a flat tire. Had to finish the race on a flat tire. That wasn't fun. Got to the run. It was super hot. No, no shade. Walked most of the 5K. It was awful. And I finished and I said, oh, I want to do this again. So I did. <laughs> 
as with most people who finish a race, during the race, you're like, never again. I'm never going to do this again. And yeah. five minutes after you cross the finish line, okay, what's next? Yeah. Well, so not immediately next, but actually, well, everybody knows at this point that I stalk athletes. So according to athletes, this was your next race. You did the Houston Half Marathon in October of 2017. And what, so there's probably some five Kings. Mm-hmm. And whatnot, and lots of training in there. So my first half was the Koala Houston half in 2017. I had an A goal of two hours, a B goal of 210, and I ran 159 and change. So I was extremely happy. And I ended up running that solo. I didn't have any guide runners or anything. I just showed up that morning. I said, I'm just going to run this and see what happens. And it was a good day. It was nice and cool out. And I had a couple friends from Catapult along the course, that cheered me on, so that really helped. Well, yeah, you met your goal, like you said. You right, you actually ran a 159.36, um, which... So after the 2017 Houston half, uh, you, not immediately, but pretty soon after, run another half, the 2018 Aramco Houston Half Marathon. Yeah. Um, UPR again, yeah. 152.41. Did you have guides for that race? Uh, that was the, in 2017, I ended up hitting up Sam Robles. Unfortunately, um, you know him as well. He had guided Mark before to a solid half. And I really like how Sam carries himself, even though he's an asshole. I can't be too. <laughs> So it turned me to him. I said, hey, Sam, I want to run the 2018 Aramco half with you. Let's do it. Um, at that point, I never run more than a 10K. So Sam was with me on my longest run at that time. We ran seven miles at Memorial Park, and I was over the moon. Um, this was before the Houston half. Cut to the Houston half. I hit my goal two hours or less. And then a couple months later, we ran Aramco together. So Sam ran with me. And like you said, we came in at 152 and change, which was basically our goal with PR, whether it's a second or a minute or whatever, let's try PR, and we did. It was a really good run. It was cold. Um, I've only run one race where my nipple bled, and of course it was that one. And of course Sam was with me, and he won't, he won't let me forget it. Uh, I have one race photo that I love. It's me and Sam about to cross the finish line, and of course, I have a bloody left nipple. I just saw that photo, and unfortunately for both of you, that was the first race where I was not mm-hmm. uh, employed by the marathon I had left at that point, because I used to meet Sam at the finish line and illegally give him some champagne. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Houston Marathon, I do it every year. Um, but you guys, you, I have pictures of you, because... At that time, I was living in an apartment that was on the course, mm-hmm. so you ran past, and I think I just saw it the other day, but uh, that was the year you all ran, uh, wore the yellow jerseys, yep. right? I yep. have some I have some pictures of that. Um, we, we, me and Team Catapult, come up with a new line of running singlets every year we run the Houston Marathon Weekend, because mm-hmm. it's our biggest weekend, mainly for fundraising. We raise 95% of our money okay. for the whole year our annual gala that Friday before the marathon weekend. So that year we had done bright yellow, so you couldn't miss us. 
Well, and I, I actually love the pink one, but I've always wondered about that. Y'all host a gala on the on it's Friday night of race weekend. That's right. Like, you don't want to maybe host it after the race. <laughs> uh, we thought about it, and we've woken up from that flag pan Saturday morning and said, "Why are we not hosting this after the marathon weekend?" But the thought is there are so many athletes and people coming into town for the marathon. Friday night is the perfect time. And luckily it's not Saturday night before the marathon and the half. That would be worse. I, And I'm probably misremembering because that weekend is such a blur for me. But I felt like it was the night before, but I guess it always has been Friday. Always Friday. Okay. Yeah, thankfully. It's still a lot. But... It's a lot. <laughs> um, so you finish the Aramco Houston half in a PR. And... Then you run the Woodlands Marathon. What? Yeah. What made you run your first marathon? If you're around runners long enough, they say, why don't you run a marathon? And they don't shut the fuck up about it until you run a marathon. So, well, but I've been a runner for most of my life, and I still haven't done a marathon. Well, how many times have they told you to run a marathon? Oh, all the time. All the time. So it didn't take long for me to run a marathon, so I... Ran the 2018 Women's Marathon with my guy and a guy that I consider family. His name's Claudio Bravo here in Houston. He was a catapult guy and has been for years. We came in at just over 421, and we really had no goal. Um, as an athlete with a disability, you can qualify for Boston with basically a six-hour marathon, which is insane. I mean, I understand a lot of athletes might need the full six hours. My goal was to not take six hours. Um, we really just set out to have a smart, safe race. I hit the wall about mile 18. I got my second win where I took a goo with some caffeine in the last 5K, and we finished at 421 and a half pretty much. Qualified me for Boston in 19, so I have nothing to complain about from that race. Okay, well, we'll get to Boston in a little bit. But so, you then ran another half marathon. So, marathon. Marathon. Um, Woodlands is March 3rd. You, well, there was the Bayou Classic two, a week later. But April 8th, you ran another half marathon the Vintage Park. Yeah. And you ran another PR. Yeah. 151.18. That was coming off of that marathon. I was in... Good, not great shape. So anything I ran less than a marathon after that, it was really just like, how how well are you feeling today? You're probably going to PR. Which is a result of really not having a goal initially for the marathon or the half. I mean, nothing too aggressive. So everything after that, I was in good shape. I got really lucky with a lot of good weather. And... It just turned out that there was a period of time in 1819 I just kept PRing, which is not a brag. I mean, if, if things line up right and you're prepared, then you earn it. So I earned those PRs for almost a year straight. I was PRing almost any distance. Well, and I've skipped over your shorter races for the most part so far, but immediately after that half in Vintage Park, you ran the West End Brew Run, which was a 5K, and you ran it in 2037. That is my 5K PR, PR, and I'm still chasing it. And it's a result of just having, being in the right training, um, especially for that day, that race, 
that course is it's flat. It's all in uh, the Galleria area. There's one U-turn, and that's it. I just put the pedal down and saw what happened. I ended up, that's one of my only two podiums among other able-bodied athletes. Well, I got second place in my age point. Oh, okay. I mean, 2037, I can't run it. I want I to. I can't run it now. <laughs> we'll train together. Um, so a little bit later that year, you did another try, but this time you ran in New York City. Uh, how did you get to New York for a try? There's a really big uh, athlete with disability presence at the Lifetime Fitness New York Triathlon. I have been invited by someone, some group, to uh, go participate. So I named up a friend of mine, had hotel points, we stayed in a hotel not far, I mean, it was in Manhattan. I mean, it was, it was, I'm going to win hardly out of Texas, much less New York. So it was a long weekend. It was a lot of fun. Um, we partied for sure. Um, it was fun. It was, I want to give a shout out to Achilles International. There's a Houston branch, um, but they're based out of New York. And I met the current CEO of Achilles while we were there. Talked to him for a while. And they ended up loaning me a hand cycle for the race. And if, I, if they hadn't done that, I couldn't have participated because I didn't have any equipment of my own outside of my running blades. Um, so we went up there, good weather, had a good race. It was awesome. I mean, the scenery was fun. I swam downstream the Hudson, got on my water. My hand would have said, you might want to wipe your face off because uh, you got a little something on there. But after that, it was smooth sailing. I got to run through, run a 10K through uh, Central Park, which was amazing. And it's kind of funny, because this was in the summer up there. It was hot. It wasn't Texas hot. And they ended up shutting down the 10K and making everyone cut off at 5K. And I had finished my 10K about 10 minutes before they made that. People that lived there from the north were dropping like flies. They, it, was, it had to be in the 90s, heat index over 100, I remember it was. And I felt great because it was like wearing in Texas with less humidity. So I ran the 10K. I blew by a whole bunch of people. Had a great time. Right. Well, I remember, like, I'm from the East Coast. And, I mean, we grew up with summers where it was 100, mm -hmm. 105. Not on the regular, like in Houston, but sometimes. But when I moved to Houston, it is a different heat. Yeah. Um, and it was humid there, but not as humid as here. Yeah. Um, did you get to do all of the... New York City tourist stuff, did you hit um, Times Square? Did you see anything? It was really cool. I want to do another shout out. Um, we ended up going to Times Square the night we got there. It was like two in the morning. We were just hanging out in Times Square. And it was still busy, it right? Was packed. Yeah. And it was amazing because I love people watching. And if you want people watch. Um, but while we were there, the night after, the night of the race, the night after we finished, uh, a friend of mine from Canal, his name is Chris, he was the founder of Canal, um, hit me up. He had been a supporter of Catapult and myself. He said, hey, you're in town, let's go party. His friend owned the bar up there. We hung out there. He took me on the subway, which was cool. Like, <laughs> what better way to experience the subway than with a New Yorker? Mm -hmm. So we went to, I couldn't tell you the name of the park, but 
it was about four in the morning and we went to the park out there. I don't even know what borough we were in. Um, but it was cool. We just sat down and talked about life for about an hour at four in the morning watching all the wild stuff that happens in New York happened right right behind us. It was it was a great trip. I don't know that there's anything that better describes New York than that experience that you just had. New York is insane. Oh, I had plenty of pizza too. Plenty of pizza. Oh my god, the pizza. I remember I was I was living in Connecticut when I worked for NBC and I had gone into Manhattan. I can't remember. It must have been for the marathon. No, it was the track meet. So the, the Milrose Games, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. Like, I went in, and I was there for work, and then I hung out with friends mm-hmm. from, from USA Track and Field, and I took the, like, 1 a.m. train home mm-hmm. to Stanford, Connecticut, and I needed to – it was the marathon. I needed to be on the 4 a.m. train back so that I could get in um, – to Manhattan, yeah. and I went into Grand Central Station, but I needed to be up at Central Park in the Mandarin to work in the media room. And yeah. I mean, my alarm went off, and I I, I missed my first train. Like <laughs> it was a good thing that they have so many trains. Yeah. But I mean, there's nothing like New York. It's yeah. it's a lot, but it's a lot of fun. So you finished that that try, and there were definitely some other races in between, but. Plenty. You so you opened up 2019 with the Ramco Houston Half Marathon. Yep, I ran that with Sam also. And another PR of 145.48. We were aiming for 145. We missed it by under a minute. That came down to like 10 seconds too long at each water stop. I mean, I couldn't have been more happy with what we ran. Mm-hmm. I wanted 145. I was within a minute. I was extremely happy. See, now when I wanted 145 and Sam was pacing me, I ran a 151. However, that was not Sam's fault. It was mine. It was the Austin Half Marathon. Well, that's different. Training without hills. Yeah. And three miles in, I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I've had those things, too. <laughs> I've had those things in a podcast. So, yeah, I'm not going to hit my goal. You just know. It is right. You can just tell. And I mean, in Austin, in the first... I feel like the first mile is fine, but you immediately get into hills, like mile mm-hmm. two and mile three. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, we're good. I'm, I'm fine. It's like, whatever, we're yeah. good. Um, so I'm really hoping that as soon as it opens up to run. I would love to run the Houston half in October if it yeah. happens. But for sure, in January, I mean, I feel like by 2021, wait, 2022. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be there. I can say I'm pretty sure anyone listening to this is an avid runner, especially in our community. But if you're new to running and you just found this podcast, uh, run the Houston Half in October. It is the training race to see where you're at for a ramp club. Everyone's there. For sure. And it's a much, I feel like it's a much less stressful race. It's now, I've stressful. only worked yeah. the January race, but it just seems like there's so much more pressure than there is on the one in for October. Sure. There are way more eyes on yeah. Marathon Weekend. Right. But as far as training, that Houston half, you are running an out and back of the last 10K mm-hmm. of the full marathon. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're running the last 5K of the half, four miles in the half. You can't train any better than that. That's that's the checkpoint. See okay. where you're at. Well, I also like, and I mean, yes, I work there. But so there's the training series that leads up. Yeah. There's the Houston half. 
and then they do the 25k yep. i've never run a 30k but well and i've done the 10 miler at the mm-hmm. 25k because i'm a wuss but um i really like that they have all those races in the lead up to the marathon yeah um so after the aramco in 2019 uh, you like to race a lot. You went and did the Katie Half Marathon in February, a couple weeks later. Yep. And one forty-eight forty-four. Yep, that was my PR, and then at the time, that, no, it wasn't. No, because you had just run one forty-five. Yeah, you came right. back and you ran pretty close to it a couple weeks later. I remember what happened. It was extremely humid. It was hot, and it was six and seven in the morning, and we could No one ever could believe how humid it was. Mm-hmm. Although we could, it's used it, but. <laughs> I ran a 148. I was so low, unsupported. Okay. Uh, maybe I didn't have a guide runner. Mm-hmm. And I was more happy with that 148 than I was with the 145 because the conditions were so much worse. And it was flat. So for any kind of rolling race, depending on the kind of run you are, you can kind of hammer the downhills and get some, I call it like free speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easy, easy time you're making up downhill. Katie is flat. There's no hills. There's no overpass you run over. There's one long underpass you run up, down, and up. But it's flat. So the amount of effort I had to put into that 148 in that humidity, I was way more happy with than my 145 in almost perfect conditions at Houston. Okay. I was very happy with that 148. Well, so I'm going to ask the next question, prefacing it by the fact that I might delete it later. Um... <laughs> Like, for me personally, when I run a half, my legs are dead, and I need the recovery, but you're running so often. Is your recovery different with the with the amputee? It's usually worse. That's what I thought. Harder. Right. Um, at that time, everything was just clicking, and I was just in good shape. I was still, I'm a fan of craft beer, so I was still drinking just <laughs> as much as I always had. Yeah. But I was training and racing at, like, I wasn't even optimal. I could have gone faster. I could have raced more. But it was just, like, that was my really my breakout year um, in the community, in the sport of running. And everything was just clicking. So my recovery is probably harder than everyone else because I don't have anything below my knees. Mm-hmm. So in my prosthetics, it's basically like running a marathon, a half marathon on your knees, which doesn't make any sense for anyone else. Um, that's why the running prosthetics are made the way they are, to absorb all that energy and give it back while you're running. Um, that said, imagine running anything on your knees. You need some recovery. You're taking a lot of punishment for your hips, for your knees, for your lower back. Like nowadays, I'm not, I'm not in the shape I was, I'm not out of shape now, I'm not in the shape I was. I'm not training like I was. My recovery would take longer now. Mm-hmm. So now I'm running like every two days, every other day, mm-hmm. where then I couldn't wait to get off of work and go to Memorial Park and then go race on the weekend. I was racing every other weekend almost. Well, but there's nothing to race for right now. Exactly. So do you think once the racing scene is back up, you would get back into I that think rhythm? So. Yeah. yeah. So you leave there, and Athlinks has shit the bed at this point, and they don't have anything else for you, but we know that's not true. So as far as I'm aware, your next race was the 2019 Boston Marathon. That what was, was it like to run Boston? That was one of them. It was amazing. That's, when people ask me what my favorite experience so far is, 
It's true. It's running my first lap around Memorial Park without stopping with Mark, and it's finishing the Boston Marathon. Uh, you take that left on Boylston, and you're just like in euphoria. You can't. You hear it all, but you don't take it in. At least me, like I was. My fastest mile in the Boston Marathon was my last mile, and it all came down to that final push on Boylston. I was just hauling ass down there, and. It was amazing. Uh, at that point, you have my wife came up there and she said it was rows 12 deep on yeah. each side of Boylston of people just screaming her heart out. And then when they see an athlete with a disability, not just myself, any of us, because Boston has a huge program for AWD athletes. When they see us coming down, they just lose their mind. And I mean, at that point, you're in the last quarter mile of the marathon, you need something. So hearing what sounds like a football stadium around you is everything. I'll never forget that sound and that feeling. And you're along Boylston where the buildings are three, four stories, so that sound just echoes. Mm -hmm. And you, you like, it's al it almost feels warm around you, how loud it is. And you just have the adrenaline hit, and it's just like you're in heaven. This is what I run for in that moment. It was amazing. Boston is the only major in the United States that I haven't been able to get to, and and that needs to change. Uh, I mean, Chicago and New York are cool, but Boston is it. It's what everybody trains for. I can say one thing, and ever since I ran Boston the first time, uh, people wised up to it. If you can't or you haven't qualified for Boston, you can be, uh, run as a charity runner. I believe they have a charity They program. do have a huge charity program. But the other way, and it might be even more rewarding, is guide an athlete. So the, uh, I ended up running Boston with Claudio. I said, you got me a Boston, you're going to come with me a Boston. So Claudio and another guy, Allison, uh, who came to New York with me for the triathlon, they guided me. And... Claudio had been running most of his life, and he was in his 40s at the time. I think he still is. Uh, maybe his early 50s. Sorry, Claudio. <laughs> um, he had never made it to Boston, so his experience was my experience. Like, being able to give that to him, for him giving me to Boston was amazing. And if you want to get to Boston, you haven't qualified yet, you don't think you can, or you, you don't have the ability to, Become involved with a nonprofit with four athletes with disabilities and become a guide. And don't just come up to an athlete and say, hey, you're in Boston, you need a guide. Get to know an athlete. Yeah. Help them get to Boston if they haven't made it yet. Mm -hmm. And then go run Boston with them. That might be even more rewarding than qualifying yourself. That's a great way to do it. I hadn't thought about that. So moving into 2020, everybody's favorite year. Um, you started out again with the Chevron Houston Marathon. What was that race for you like that year? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me back. <laughs> um, 2020 Chevron Marathon did not go how we planned. I ran with Sam and a friend of ours, Roger. Um, they were both of my guides. It was good weather. I had not trained for a full. I had trained for pretty much a half. I made it halfway and started walking, so I knew exactly where I was at. Um, we finished in a 4.15, which is 
my worst marathon, but I've only done three. Um, here's what it is. You, you kind of earn your, your result. So I, I didn't earn a PR. I didn't earn a good time. I didn't train for it. So I ran what I ran because that's as far as I prepared for it. So it was still, it was Sam and Roger's first marathon. So that, that was really cool watching them. Um, they both felt they could have kept going. I said, well, you're welcome to go if you want, but I'm done. Um, but they could have run a lot harder than we ran. But it is what it is. Everybody has those days. Yeah. So, well, you followed it up pretty quickly. You went to the Woodlands half just a little while later. Yep. And you were in shape to run a half. Yes. So how was that race? That is my current PR. I ran a 143 and change. I uh, also ran with Sam and Roger. I had a race plan going into that race to kind of hold in pace as, as best I could for the first five miles. Because that race is kind of net uphill for the first five and it's net downhill after that. And my race plan was hammering the downhills as hard as I can within reason and it paid off. So my last PR was a uh, 145. And I shaved about two and a half minutes off of that, so I'm extremely happy with it. Yeah, that's awesome, especially since not long after that race, the world basically shut down and there yeah. was no more in-person racing. None. That was basically the week before COVID lockdown hit. Mm -hmm. Well, but so lockdown didn't stop you. You kept running quite a bit. Um, and one of the things you did during lockdown was the virtual Texas Independence Relay, which you've done a number of times, but what was it like in 2020? That's right. Um, I have done TIR since 2017 with Team Catapult. We were, just a little history on us, because I love to brag about this part. Uh, we were the first team of athletes with disabilities at all, ever. In 2017, we had blind runners and amputee runners from all across America at that point. 2018, we came back, we had a full team of blind runners and guides and a full team of amputees. And 2019, I was a team captain. We ran it back again. We, I had a team of amputees and normal able-bodied runners. That was my first year being a team captain. 2020, it went all virtual. So we had, Catapult had 70 runners worldwide participating in it virtually. We had runners in Switzerland, all across America. Um, I think Switzerland was the farthest, farthest away runner. But I was also the team captain, so it was the same format just virtual, but we stayed up all night for, I think we finished in 28 hours-ish. Um, that was a lot of fun. It was just more of trying to raise awareness for catapults, especially in uh, near 2020 where everything was online. So that whole weekend we just had content of people tagging catapults and we were sharing it left and right. So it, we came out of that weekend with a lot of tired runners and a lot of good content. Very cool. I remember seeing all of that online. You did. You, you shared 
everything. Yeah. Well, and I saw Sam had run a couple legs too, and yeah, he was not looking that weekend. Sam signed up before he knew his uh, work schedule, went to work, and then ran three legs overnight uh-huh. for us. Um, and he learned this lesson. He won't. He won't do that again. <laughs> so another event that you did during lockdown was the speed project which was also virtual so tell me a little bit about what that was like what it normally is versus what y'all did normally the speed project is a point point race i don't know where they start but they finish on the las vegas strip Mm -hmm. and you basically pick your own route and the team that gets from point a to point b fastest wins so in 2020 they went virtual and said, well, here's the overall course record, which was 31 hours, 15 minutes. So we're going to give every team 31 hours, 15 minutes to run as many miles as they can. So I also, actually, it was the two-hour weekend. Um, I ran into a group of people I know very well, and it was about 11 o'clock at night at Memorial, and we one of them made an offhand comment. Well, you know the freaks come out at night because we were all there running together. So that's how the freaks run club started. The freaks come out at night run club. Um, so as of that weekend in March, I'm the captain, co-captain of the freaks run club on Instagram at freaks run club. Um, so we ended up putting together a, a speed project team and we finished kind of middle of the pack, but it was more about just having fun. Mm-hmm. And we had Strava, and they actually sponsored our team. They paid for entry and some swag. They featured our team on the main Strava account, which was awesome. Um, just another way to stay motivated in 2020. Yeah, that's so if it's back in person in 2021, would you want to run through the Vegas desert? To do it? So I know people that have done it and they told me how hard it is. Yeah. Um, it does sound, as a runner, it does sound fun. As someone with common sense, you know, common sense would say, you know, you don't want to run through the desert in 120 degree heat uh, where you can't run more than a half mile at a time. But yeah, it's something I would do for sure. I know. Well, I mean, we've talked, I've lost track since. What we've talked about since the first half of this episode was filmed a couple weeks ago. Sorry, but I've never done a marathon. I've also never done a relay, but I saw the um, the speed project online a couple years ago, and I, it just looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I somehow found my way onto a team, I probably wouldn't turn it down. I'll remember that. <laughs> I know you will. Uh, that's okay. We'll see what happens. Well, so you just talked. You just, oh, we'll see what <laughs> So you've started a running club, or yeah. and you're you're very everywhere in the running community. But so one of the things you do now is the the freaks come out at night run club. What is that, and when do you meet, and how often, and so because of COVID and all the protocols around it, we have kept it small and kind of internal. We have a private chat group. Okay. Where. If you, we will announce every week, we meet every Friday night, uh, it's usually at 7 or 6.30 p.m. And we'll say, hey, we're meeting up. If you want to come out, send us a message and we'll tell you where we're meeting. Um, 
And at that point, if you show up, well, then you'll be in the private work chat mm -hmm. where you'll always know where we're meeting. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of our format. So one thing I really like about our work club is we hop around all over town. So when we at generally we used to, we meet at Buffalo Bayou Brewery, which are very close friends of mine mm -hmm. for years now, and we have a four and a half mile route to downtown and back along the bayou. But we've also met at Memorial Park and hung out at Canyon Creek Memorial Park and the new Memorial Trails Ice House. Um, we're trying to meet up with Herman Park at some point. We met up in the Heights a week ago. Mm -hmm. um, we've kind of just floating around, but that's our format. Once everything kind of starts going more back to quote-unquote normal, we'll try to be more of a normal run club where we'll tell you where we're meeting. Mm -hmm. So whoever wants to come out can come out. But until then, we're kind of trying to keep it tight. But if you reach out to us, we'll tell you where we're going. So the more the merrier. Well, so since we paused mid-episode and have started again, since what? We, since, <laughs> since we last talked, uh, Governor Abbott has lifted the mask mandate. Is that something you, I personally still wear a mask out in public and follow social distancing. And so it sounds like your running club is for the foreseeable future doing that as well. Of course. Yeah. Just checking. And a lot of the establishments, we go all of them so far, and they continue to have their own protocols in place, which includes a mask mm -hmm. and limited capacity. I love that. I've seen so many, so many of the restaurants I follow on social media mm -hmm. or people that I get takeout from have said they're still enforcing the rules. Yeah. So I really much appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but more in line with your popularity in the running community. Um, so you're you're an ambassador and a sponsored athlete for Catapult. You're also an ambassador for Lululemon. That's right. What? How did that partnership start, and what does that look like? Um, the Lululemon ambassadorship program is a two-year program. I'm coming up on the end of my second year. You. The way they explain it to you, you just if you're in the community, um, doing things for the community, which I have been for years now, whether with catapult or otherwise, um, you just end up on someone's radar somewhere, and if they are a Lululemon employee, they can either bring you up to their pipeline program where you're on their radar, so at some point they want you to become an ambassador. Um, so that's really what happened. It was a little more, it was probably three years ago. I got on someone's radar and they told the right people in uh, the Lululemon Galleria store, every store has their own ambassadors. They approached me to be an ambassador and it hit me out of nowhere. I know a lot of the Houston Lululemon community just even before my ambassadorship because a lot of them were in the run community. Um, so they brought me in, and I mean, it's been great. Well, and so that was how you got hooked up and did the virtual Seaweeds Half Marathon. That's right. And so what did that look like? You all planned a course, you ran as a group. So for the 2020 Seaweeds, it was all virtual, and they had a new person come in, into Houston from Atlanta, his name's Asher Payne. 
and he is like an experienced coordinator, but he really tries, he, his job is to focus on raising awareness and promoting inclusion, mainly around diversity or the lack of. So for Sealy's, we highlighted black historical landmarks all around Houston. And we encourage everyone that ran Sealy's to go to these landmarks, learn about them. We gave them the history of the landmarks and I would call it a success. We had these real big, like five and a half foot wide stencils we put all around town, mainly in the third ward, second ward, around Buffalo Bayou, promoting and drawing awareness to the Black Landmarks. And then in the fall of 2020, we actually created a brand new race called the Freedmanstown 5K 10K, which highlighted even more Black Landmarks and brought even more runners into the experience that Asher was brought here to create. So when Asher came to Houston, I was one of a few people he called because I was in the pipeline and I said, here's a short list of people you need to call if you want to create something. So I was extremely lucky enough to be called up and we really made something special. And for the foreseeable future, it's going to be an annual event, the Freedman's Town 5K 10K. Oh, nice. I remember seeing y'all. I don't think I was back in town yet, but I remember seeing it on your social and, and hearing Sam talk about the uh, the new race that y'all were doing. Yeah. And I run every day, well, almost every day. Today I ran inside because it was a wind advisory. Yeah. Um, but I'll run through downtown over to the bayou, and I pass at least one of your stencils mm -hmm. every day. There's one on Sabine Street Bridge. Mm -hmm. It's been there ever since last fall. Uh, we thought we bought chalk spray paint. Apparently not. <laughs> So you can go check it out anytime you want. It's on Sabine Street Bridge, facing away from downtown. Very nice. Um, so every time I'm interviewing somebody, uh, you know, I stalk everybody's athletics, social media. So one of the things I saw on your um, Instagram was a trip that you took in 2018 to the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs for a development camp. How did you like it? It was amazing. Um, I've never been to Colorado before, so I got to experience the mountains, the weather, um, the facilities there. It was at the Colorado Springs Training Center. It was awesome. They had um, Jamie Brown was one of the coaches there. He was known at, as long as I've been aware of paratriathlon. He had, he earned the title of fastest amputee triathlete, something like that. I mean, he was one of the best in the world at what he does. Um, he was one of our coaches and they had some other top paratri coaches there. Um, it was great. We, I was there with one other guy from Houston, Chris Mitchell, who is also a bilateral baloney amputee. I'm an baloney amputee. Um, we did a track, we had like three day workouts for three, four days. Oh, wow. And it was, I mean, it, to some degree, it was a, a clinic, a camp to put you on the Paratri, USA Paratri radar. Um, without going into it, 
it's not something I want to pursue, even at the time, and it would have been somewhat complicated for me to pursue, but I met some great people. I caught up with people I've known for years online that were at the same camp, mm -hmm. and now we are like, like people like Nicole, uh, we're, we're Krillin, the founder of Forest Hill Foundation. She and I are, anytime she hits me up for a project, I'm in, no matter what it is. Um, plenty of other people we met at camp. It was a great experience, and I got some cool photos. I got to cycle, hand cycle up a mountain and ride down. That was fun. I got to swim in the same pool that Michael Phelps trained in, which was, I, I you know, how do you put that in the words? Um, it was awesome. Well, which mountain did you cycle up? Do you remember? No clue. <laughs> so in 2005, and I'm dating myself, I'm old, um, I lived in the training center for three months when I was doing an internship. So I know they've redone it a ton since I've been there, but did you stay in the new dorms or did you stay in like the brick barracks that were behind? Do you remember? No barracks. Did you? That's yeah. where I lived. Yeah. I stayed in there. It's like a dorm. Yeah. Communal bathrooms. It is. Yeah, for sure. It reminded sure. me a lot of junior college. Well, even like when I went to college, that's not what my dorm looked like. I I was in a suite, you know, mm -hmm. three other girls. We had our own bathroom. Mm -hmm. and this, I was like, is there a shower curtain? Yeah. But you can't beat that kitchen. The dining hall? No. Oh, my God. No. No. Chocolate milk on tap whenever you want. I had almost oh every morning for breakfast. It was horrible, but amazing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was so much fun. I loved it there, and I'd love to go back. I still have some friends in there. I work for different uh, NGVs, but mm -hmm. I miss it. You can't, Colorado Springs, you just can't describe it, right? Well, number one, I never did get used to the altitude. Did you? You were only there for a little while. I was only there four, four nights. Did it bother um, you for the, for the three-day workouts? It never hit me until I was swimming. Okay. I could feel it swimming. I mean, we did a really hard track workout, and it never hit me. That's good. But hopping in that water, the water is cold, but it's great for a workout. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. But you're working so hard in the water. That's when I was really starting to feel the altitude. Yeah. Well, I remember, so when I lived in the dorms, they had the interns on us. I think we were all on the third floor. And I actually, there were some volleyball, Team USA volleyball players, the men's team, which didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. um, but I was for three months, every time I walked up the steps, I would get winded. Mm -hmm. And I was in shape when I got there, but I'd go back tomorrow. Yes. If I had a reason. Um, so we're almost done. Now it's time for the fun questions. Mm -hmm. So where's your favorite place to run in Houston? Probably Memorial Park. Um, I moved to Third Ward a few years ago now. So Buffalo Bayou is a three-minute drive from mm -hmm. my house now. Nice. So I've really, really come to appreciate that just for it's a different kind of workout. I mean, there's some elevation. Right. So, and it's a little prettier to look at most of the time than Memorial. But Memorial is what it is. You can go there for a reason. Right. So one of those two, Memorial or Buffalo. Well, number one, I can't wait for spring. I think that that winter storm just crushed a lot of the greenery and the foliage and... Uh, 
and like, growing up where I grew up, I know it's all going to come back. But when I run the bayou right now, I'm like, oh, it's so brown. Yeah. Um, but I also, the last time I was by the park, I mean, they're just starting to put in those land bridges, and it looks so crazy. And mm-hmm. I haven't really been inside the park mm-hmm. probably since I've been back. I really haven't. I keep wanting to go over, but with my work schedule, like, Honestly, I take a nap in the afternoon, and then I run. So if I get up at, like, 4.30 to go for a run, I don't want to drive to the park. Yeah. Uh, but I need to. So I will say the eastern glades are gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. I know. The pictures I see, I'm so jealous. I have to get over there, and I have to do it soon. But, okay, so next question. If you could run for anyone, I'm sorry, with anyone, for any distance, person can be dead or alive, whatever distance you want, who would it be and how far would you go? I knew you were going to ask me this because <laughs> you asked me this last time and I didn't have an answer. Um, I still don't have an answer. The distance doesn't matter. What matters to me is who and what kind of conversation we would have. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know what that answer would be. I mean, I could run with Mark. Bar, he's basically my mentor, whether he knows it or not, although he knows it. Um, I can run with him anytime, but I can actually run with him anytime. So I really don't, I really don't know. Um, well, some of the answers I've had so far, like Barack Obama, mm-hmm. Steve Prefontaine, um, Haile Gebrselassie. <laughs> Galen Rep. Nobody said him. I'm just saying he was a name that, that I just came to mind. Well, you and me go for a run, Nikki. Okay, we can. I'll run with you as far as you want to go. That's my answer. Perfect. Well, I'm not super in shape right now, so maybe we can do like three to five miles. Or less. How about a 5K? Let's do it. Okay. Um, so we have, we've definitely talked about this, but best running experience ever. Race lives would be Boston, twenty nineteen Boston. Um, memory wise, this will come to me till the day I die. Is running my first loop around Memorial Park with Mark Barr, without stopping, and just he was so proud of me. I didn't know I was supposed to be proud of myself. I didn't know what was happening. I was just. I was on cloud nine. Like the runner's high you get after a run, I felt that the moment I hit three miles. It was, I'll never forget that feeling. And I feel like you may have a variety of examples, but worst were like horror running stories. Hmm. I mean, breaking a running blade, which I have to have to run, would be. I've done it twice, so it will be two of my top three. But outside of that, which is like an equipment failure, it's not something I can control. Mm-hmm. Worst running will be outside of like a really bad workout, which we all have at any time. Um, probably the 2020 Houston Marathon. The time we ran wasn't as bad as I felt like in the moment, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it felt like we were out there all day, but I was just so disappointed in myself and I was embarrassed 
And I felt like I not only let myself down, but more importantly, my two guides who couldn't run that same marathon faster. And they didn't because they were with me. So that, just the, the emotions that came with it. Like my body hurt because it was a marathon, but I was more frustrated and embarrassed and disappointed in myself at that time. So probably 2020 marathon. But I learned my lesson. Don't train for a half and then go run a full. <laughs> Good lesson to learn. And mm -hmm. at least you only did it once. Yeah. Um, but I do want to ask, what when you break a, a running blade? Well, number one, so you've done it twice. Were you running alone or were you running with people? Both times, luckily, I was with someone. So what happened? Like you break the blade and then they go get the car and pick you up or they piggyback you to the car? What is... The first time was at the Memorial Park track. It was in a track workout. Okay. I was going full speed, broke a blade, landed on my shoulder. Um, Road rash? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really just they run up to me and say, hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Nothing broke. That's the main thing you want to worry about. I mean, if you're running full speed and your leg came out from under you and you catch yourself, Hopefully your arm doesn't snap. Right, break you. a collarbone or something. Anything like that. Mm -hmm. So luckily that hadn't happened either time. But yeah, both times it's been just, all right, well, we'll, we'll help you hop to the car. So if I had been alone, like if I had been on the east side of downtown, on Buffalo Bayou by myself, Purple Blaine, um, I'd kind of be shit out of luck until someone nice enough to let me use your phone stop because mm -hmm. I don't run with my phone anymore. Um, that would be a reason to run with my phone. Oh, yeah. But that's really what happens. Either you're with someone and it's all good, or you're not and you're kind of at the mercy of someone coming by and mm -hmm. helping you out. Okay, I know I just said that it was time for the fun questions, but I do have one more serious question um, that I meant to ask and, and I skipped over it in my notes. Um, in light of the current climate in the country with everything that's been going on um specifically in the houston running community have you ever been discriminated against directly no and i'm 99.99 percent sure that is because of my disability so whether i'm in the run in the active community or not meaning whether I'm at any Mets or at Memorial Park or not, just out and about, I am a double above me amputee, and I wear shorts all the time. It used to not be like that, but I do now. So seeing me is extremely disarming, meaning it's pretty hard to feel threatened by seeing me. And on top of that, I try to be nice to everyone. Um, that can change, depending on what kind of energy you give me. But I would say no, especially not in the run community, which is one reason, the main reason why I love it so much, is because of how open and welcoming they have been to me from the start. And they really gave me a community I never had and never knew I could have had. I could have had it a long time ago. Um, but I've heard stories, I've seen things, and I've heard things after the fact. Um, it's there. I mean, it's not 
harder to find. It would be hard for me to go find someone to discriminate name against me to my face. But outside of me, because I'm kind of a special case in that who's gonna be who's gonna discriminate against a disabled person? There are some that will, but a jackass. I haven't seen him, at least not in a long, long time, not in the Houston run community. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, those cases are out there, and they are happening currently. Um, but directly to me, no. I, haven't, I would say I haven't been discriminated against. No. When Semi-related, but not really, but it is a semi-controversial topic. Um, you know, with that woman who was, she just um, disappeared over in the UK, Sarah Everard, all of the articles are coming back out again, telling women how to stay safe. And one really has nothing to do with the other, and but that's how my brain works. But in my opinion, I don't think that's the conversation we need to have. Don't tell me how I can stay safe. Tell men how not to do things that need to make me feel like I need to stay safe. I agree. Uh, and I've I've been a little, but probably not enough, outspoken about that. You know, you see the, and I do it. Like when I when I well, I don't run at night anymore. That's one of the things. Um, you know, I carry mace or this. I don't even know what to call it. Keychain that mm-hmm. could really seriously fuck somebody up mm-hmm. with me if I walk my dogs at night. But um, I won't even run before the sun comes up. Like most people won't run if the sun goes down. But mm-hmm. I also won't run before it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think things like that don't tell me what I need to do to stay safe. I no. think we need to to hold the men accountable for or women, whoever is doing yeah. whatever they're doing, like that's who the focus should be on. I agree. It shouldn't be on me. I agree with you. So one hundred percent. We'll see. And hopefully I do I see some people pushing that, but so many more people push the 10 things women can do to stay safe on a run. No, that yeah. no. Yeah. 10 things men can do not to attack women while they're running. Number one, don't attack women <laughs> while they're running. Exactly. So, all right, end of the not fun topics. So, almost done, promise. Who would you recommend that I talk to in the Houston running community? I know mm. you have a list. Let me get my notes out, thank you. <laughs> Alright. Number one, Terry Love. Black Men Run Houston co-captain. Number two, Carolyn Sue. She lives in Boston, but is from Houston area, and is the founder of the Virtually Run. And she has been featured in Runner's World magazine. I think uh Women Runners Women's Running. Women's Running magazine. She is someone you need to talk to yesterday. Okay. You need to talk to her right now. And she's also an Asian descent and has a lot to talk about what's happening right now and has been happening for a little bit of time now mm-hmm. that you're not hearing about. Okay. You should talk to her yesterday. I will get her information from you when we're done. Number three, Stacy Poole Holden. Holden, founder of People in Memorial Park. Oh, okay. Love her. And you should have her on. And number four, and last, for a good reason, uh, Mark Barr. Four-time Paralympian, Houston hometown hero, and uh, the guy that really helped springboard me to where I am now. All good answers, and I will try to get all of them on my list, but I definitely want to start with 
Number two. Carolyn. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Um, so we've talked all about how you got into running and what your training looks like and what your racing looks like. Why do you keep running? Because I can appreciate how far I've come and for the most part, not take it for granted. Coming from only five years ago, I didn't know running was an option. So then, I mean, I'm doing things that my peers are doing with two legs. I'm doing with, you know, less than half of each of my legs. I'm running Boston within four years of running, period. And not taking any of that for granted. So, you know, you have the peaks and the values of training or just motivation uh, where you just don't feel like running for no reason other than you just don't want to run right now. And maybe that lasts for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Um, but overall, what keeps me at some point getting back out there is understanding you have an opportunity that you didn't really have before. Don't take it for granted, you know, any more than you may already be. So once I'm out there and I'm back in the community, if I take a week or a couple of weeks off, I remember why I love the community so much. I'm like, well, why was I sitting on my ass the last couple of weeks? I should have been out here. You know, even if I'm not training for a marathon, training for a half, training for a 5K PR, I can still get outside and run, you know. And years ago, it wasn't that I could have run but chose not to. Years ago, I could not run. So understanding what I have in front of me now, the opportunity I have, and not taking that for granted is a huge moment there. And with the internet, you anyone has a platform to spread any kind of message, message and awareness and what. So one thing I love to do is to show random people that might come across my platform what is possible and even more so people that are in a similar situation that I'm coming from, showing them what's possible. So maybe instead of at 25 they start running like I did, maybe they start at 24 or 23 or maybe they're a teenager or maybe their parents know they're about to have to have have to have a very difficult decision with their child and they're saying, well, look what's possible because I've seen this. So, you know, I'm really, it's going to suck, but I'm not worried about what they could accomplish. Look at what Patrick's doing or look at the people Patrick is elevating with his platform. Look at what's possible. That's, that's the goal. So that's what keeps me going. Appreciation of where I'm at, where I've come from and hoping to propel someone else up behind me. I love that. That's a great answer. So now to see your platform, where can people go to follow you? I'm on Instagram, that's my name. Place, uh, look up my name, Patrick Pressburg. I'll link you. Um, team Catapult, team underscore Catapult on Instagram, team Catapult, one word on Facebook. Hello at team Catapult is our email.org. TeamCatapult.org is our website. I'm the COO, as I mentioned earlier. Where else? Uh, Free to Run Club. Um, I monitor that account. 
Um, I have a photography account, Pat Press Photo. Uh, if you ever want some photos, just let me know. Uh, Mickey's going to link you to that. Um, but yeah, reach out to me anywhere. I'm on Facebook too. Just look up my name. All right, Patrick. Thank you so much for doing this, and thank you so much for coming back a second time. What do you mean? <laughs> second time? What? You already said you came back twice. Thanks, Mickey. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Runners of Hue. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or however you hear podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.